Miracy. I'm Dr. Matthew Champagne, and you're listening to Making It. I'm the creator of Survey Conversation, and I teach the science and the psychological principles to help you keep your customers forever. Well, to me, as a psychologist, everything's psychology, right? All the answers are there. How do you sell people? How do you get them to make decisions? How do you learn what's in your customers' heads? All the answers are there. And if you use the psychological principles correctly, you can pull that out of them. Some people have said they were calling it x-ray vision, have an x-ray vision in your head, but it's really not that. It's really just applying what we know in psychology and also a lot of math. There are a hundred ways to do surveys incorrectly. There's really only a couple of ways of doing them correctly. So they gather meaningful, accurate information from your people. So to me, all the answers are from psychology. And this goes back to when I first started teaching at the university at an engineering school, because my engineering undergrads would always say, why do we need to know this psychology? (laughs) You know, it has nothing to do with our career. And I'd have to tell them, here are the reasons why. You're working with people. Don't you want to get dates? Don't you want to be able to negotiate? Everything you need to know to be successful uh, comes in psychology, but you really have to read the sources. Uh, So much of what we hear is just repurposed and summaries, and that's where things fall apart. My first position was as a university professor. I was trained as a mathematical psychologist, specializing in how people make decisions and predicting what decisions people would make. So at the university, one of the decisions made is by the students, of course. When they take a course, they're asked, you know, what did you think of that course and that instructor? So I was studying how to model and analyze those decisions. And what I would see each term was our secretaries. Betty and Jean analyze all these responses from students. They would have to gather all these pieces of paper, thousands of papers. They'd have to run them through the Scantron machines. They would have to retype the students' comments so that they were hidden. And I thought, what are we doing to these ladies? They have families. They're here till nine o'clock every night. Why don't we use this new thing called the World Wide Web? This is 1995. So why don't we use the web to make this more efficient for Betty and Jean? And that was the kickoff to a 20-year career. Well, we took that technology. I had my students write some HTML code. And we created what I think were the first surveys online. And it went over really well with the students. And of course, Betty and Jean no longer had to do the work, but my own university rejected it. They said, well, this internet thing, you know, it's not very secure. So I kind of doubled down. I went out to other colleges in the area. I went to companies that were doing satellite-based training and showed them how you could ask questions over this web and get immediate reports that would help improve your course in midstream. And again, I went back to my university and again, they rejected it. They said, no, this internet is not secure. Faculty would never want to have their course evaluations on this internet. So I left higher education. I took my three smartest grad students and started a company, which we then built the first institute-wide course evaluation system applying this to universities. 
I left the university and started my company in 1999. And at the time, the word entrepreneur wasn't used. I never heard that term until years later. Uh, when I left, I was actually just called foolish. You know, people looked at this and said, well, why would you leave a tenure track position at the university to start a company? That, that doesn't seem very smart. But when we started getting clients, um, the, I actually got written up in the local newspapers, which seems kind of strange, right? But at the time, that was newsworthy. University professor leaves to start company. So it was kind of a, a freakish thing. So I wasn't looked at as an entrepreneur. I was looked at as you know, kind of somebody that made a bad decision. When I look back over my career, the three regrets, there's three big decisions that need to be made in my career. And each time it had to do with selling the business or, or making a career decision. In each case, I turned it over to others. I thought, well, I don't have as much knowledge or experience. And I turned it over to somebody else to make the decision. And each of those three was catastrophically wrong. And I look back and say, well, I could have made the wrong decision as well, but I could have made the right decision. But I never took the shot. I passed the ball to somebody else and said, here, you take the shot. So that's the mistake I hope entrepreneurs don't make is take the shot. Don't pass the ball on the big decisions. Get advice from others. But when it comes time to take the shot, you take it. it it's your life. And that's what matters. When you look on uh, in the future as where I am now, I look back at the three times I didn't take the shot and it really didn't matter. It didn't matter if I was right or wrong, if I missed it or made it. Either one would have been fine now here in the future looking back. But at the time, it seemed important that I make it the right way and bring in the right people, but just take the shot right or wrong. Our three teenagers have heard me say that often about goals are for losers, and I picked that up some years ago. I've modified that stance a bit. My point at the time was parroting what others had already said, which was in the, in the process of getting to your goals, you haven't achieved them today and you haven't achieved them tomorrow or the next day. So each day you're a loser until you finally get to this goal. So I riffed on that in some publications, but I've modified that recently to say that, well, the goals are okay, but what's important is what you do to yourself to get to that goal. So if your goal is to earn a certain amount of money or to get a job, then you have to do certain things to get to that goal. And the things is what's important, how you're changing yourself, how you're putting new practices in place, new habits, the push that you're putting on yourself, that's the important thing. So I think goals are important, but kind of the uh, not in and of themselves, but what efforts it makes you do in order to achieve that goal. I love the, the title of the show, Making It, uh, because that implies to me a process rather than made it as an outcome. I don't believe I've made it. And it's difficult to think of people who have made it, even those that win national championships or world championships. They're then looking for what can I do next? I, I think that's just the way we're built. We're always looking to the next thing, the next mountain to climb. So as a psychologist, perhaps, I, I think of making it as spending each 
part of your day, every hour, sometimes it's every minute of my day, uh, trying to remove the repetitive thoughts that each of us live our, our day either looking to the future, thinking fearful thoughts, or looking to the past, thinking of thoughts of regret, or having those thoughts just recycle through our head, repeated. And we're never living right now. Life is right now in this moment. So I feel I'm closer to making it now just from this focus as often as I can during the day to not think of the past, of the future, the repetitive thoughts, uh, but just focus on the here and now. All the answers are within us, and it's just a matter of listening. I'm Dr. Matthew Champagne, and you've been listening to Making It. To learn more about using the science and psychology to keep your best customers forever, just download the nine principles of customer feedback. It's found at matthewchampagne.com slash making it. That URL is matthewchampagne.com slash making it. Making It is part of the Mirror CFM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Course Lab and Just Between Coaches. This episode of Making It was assembled by Jeff Govertson. Cynthia Lamb produced the episode. Danny Berman is our associate producer. Danny Innie is our executive producer. Post-production was by Post Office Sound. To catch the great episodes that are coming up on Making It, go ahead and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you liked the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Thank you. We'll see you next time.